Hey, how's it going? Are you good? Man, listen, you are in for a treat today. Let me tell you why I'm not preaching. Right? Come on. That's, I mean, we should, I thought I was expecting more cheers, actually, than that. Um, I lost my voice Thursday watching State beat Louisville. No, I'm kidding. I didn't really lose my, it was great, but um, we, we have a special speaker this morning, and, and I've known him for a long time. Um, he's Jesus. <laughs> Inside joke. Um, so, I, you know, I pretty much cut my ministry teeth at First Assembly, and First Assembly here in town, that you know, they used to do Easter plays all the time, and, um, and so I, I'm going to introduce you as Robert Greenlee, but I know him as Bobby Greenlee, and some of you know him as Bob Greenlee, and some of you just know him as Hey Dude, right? Um, but he is Shannon Spate's father, and he came in town this weekend to kind of help the family out and help with the kids, because Shannon's away on, on, a, on a retreat. And, um, and then he's preaching, too. Like, wow, like you're getting a full Albemarle experience. But back when I was at First Assembly, um, Bobby, Robert, Bob, hey, dude, he played Jesus in, in the play. And because and he, he was strong, because you have to pick kids up. Like, you know, race, yeah, Jesus doesn't need to be dropping kids, right? We agree about that? So, um, and, and I always wanted to be Jesus, and, and I never was. Um, I played a lot of characters. I started out as Peter, and then I was Judas, and then I was the devil. That was kind of the progression of my, I don't know what that, I'm not sure what that's, and that's a true story. Like, every year they'd be like, we got another part for you, and finally I was the devil. I was like, what are you, I was on staff at the church, and I went from Peter, Judas, to the devil. What is that saying about me or them? Probably me. Um, anyway, but look, it's, a, it's an honor to have you. And, and I don't know all that he's going to say today, but he, I got to see just a snippet in, of just the, the scriptures and, and the theme of what God's put on his heart. And I can, it just could not be more perfect. You know, so one, it's great to have a guest speaker who listens to Jesus, right? And then comes and tells us what he said. Because you're going to hear it and you'll be like, God, like, I feel like I've heard some of this before. You have. Jesus has been talking, right? And he just, he just brought... Um, Bobby, Robert, Bob, hey, dude, in town to confirm it, right? So uh, without further ado and gathering, I think you know by now how we welcome people, right? So I'd like for you to give a huge gathering welcome to Robert, Bobby, Bob, hey, dude, Greenlee. I've always wanted to be seven foot tall, so here I am. All right. Well, what a blessing it is to come here and see. I don't have to be nervous because I can't see anybody. All I see is lights, so it doesn't matter. So, but uh, what, an, what an awesome opportunity to, uh, to be here. I know when uh, Kyle had said something to me and said, Paul, it was okay for me to come and, and be able to share with y'all, I, th- I thought, wow, what an opportunity to be able to come home and just share with y'all what God has really been doing in my life, really for the last ten years, and it's um, it's been an awesome opportunity that to, to really completely surrender and hear from God, and just every day get up and let Him speak to you, and then see how far He takes you and the things that He puts in your heart and the in the ministries that He opens up for you. Um, like I say, most of y'all were growing up here didn't know me as Bobby, but. When you when your name Robert, you can have a lot of names. Uh, anybody here that's named Robert will know that. But I do go by Robert in Richmond. It's kind of like when I pass the state line, or even when you, everybody up there just knows me as Robert. So I've um, 
married Michelle since I've been in Virginia about almost five years ago now. It's, time goes by fast. So, uh, But she only knows me as Robert. When she, somebody calls me Bobby, she's like, who are they talking to? That's the way that's what, you know, when you go back to your hometown, sometimes they'll remember you from what they, when you were growing up. But Paul did say we've known each other for a long time, early 70s when y'all moved to Albemarle, right? Okay. And uh, his parents and my parents became friends at church at uh, Central, Methodist, Central Methodist. And me and Paul kind of grew up together. Uh, we've known each other for a long time. And um, Paul is just an awesome guy. I can't say enough about him. Um, Shannon keeps me, Shannon and Kyle keep me informed what's going on here at the church and how God's moving at the church and how God is speaking through Paul. And, um, wow, just, a, just an awesome guy. When I, when I, I'm just so proud of you, Paul, and what you, your life and you, and just devoting it to the church and to, and first and foremost to Christ, but seeing how God can really work through somebody and he has worked through Paul and through his family. You know, his mama opened the Christian bookstore here, and I used to get all my CDs there when you couldn't find them anywhere else, and the books and stuff that I was able to get, and just his family's just sowed a lot of seeds in this town since they've been here, and God has really blessed them, and you can see that as you're all sitting here this morning in Paul's church, so it's awesome. So um, again, I just want to uh, thank y'all for the opportunity of being able to be here today, and it's Pastor Appreciation Month, and that's... You know, I wanted to say a little bit about being a pastor, because being a pastor is not an easy job. I've got to be friends with um, a couple pastors in Richmond. I helped start a church that started off with like 200. I think they're up to like 2,500 now. And it's to see the pastor and what all he has to do on a weekly basis and really got to be good friends with him. We ran together and and worked out at the gym and stuff, and, you know, the things he would share with me about what was going on at the church, it's not an easy job to be a pastor. It's really, really not an easy job. And um, so it's an important job, though, because if you think about it, we can all, we have different people in our life that we turn to when we're having problems. You know, if, if I'm having financial problems, I can go talk to my finance guy, and I can say, hey, What's the, what's the stock market doing? What do you think I ought to be able to do? So he can help me out there. If I've got dental problems, I go to a dentist. I mean, we all have people in our life. If you've got medical problems, you have your doctor you go to. But when you have eternal questions, think about that for a minute. Heart questions, soul questions, you go to your pastor. Your pastor is one of the most important people in your life. And when the Bible talks about us lifting our leaders up and lifting your pastor up in prayer, take it serious. Because Paul looks like he handles it, no pressure at all. There's a lot of pressure on pastors. He deals with a lot of different things. When people are having problems, life problems, they come to their pastor. And he carries a lot of weight that you may not ever see. But he needs your prayers. And it's very, very important that we do it. So I wrote something down here. I'm going to read the scripture. Because I, I just told you, being a pastor is not an easy job. So John chapter 15, verses 18 through 19 says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And this is Jesus talking. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. 
as it is, you do not belong to the Lord. But I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. So here's the pastor's job. He's given his heart and his soul to Jesus Christ. He leads a bunch of people that have given their hearts to Jesus Christ, and the world hates him. Not many people would sign up for a job where you went in and said, okay, you can take this job, and the world's going to hate you. You're going to be mistreated. That's not a job most people would sign up for. But knowing your pastor that you have, that you have he speaks the truth, and as a pastor speaks the truth, especially in this day and time, think about it now, in this day and time that we live in, when Paul speaks the truth, he's going to be persecuted. The world's not going to agree with him. The world's going to say, you're judging people, you're, you're, you're being mean to people, you're not letting people be who they're supposed to be. But as Paul, me knowing Paul, and knowing him as a pastor, he's going to speak the truth. And he's going to tell y'all each and every Sunday that the world's going to hate you. But guess what? He's going to come back with this because I want you to hear this verse. And I didn't, I didn't give this to the, to the people up front, so just bear with me. Um, let me turn. Okay. 16, John 16, 33. Jesus is speaking to them. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. See, Jesus is saying you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be, people are going to come against you and not like you. But he said, listen, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. So Jesus is telling you, if you follow him, if you're a follower of Christ, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Now think about that for a minute. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. So now here we have Pastor Paul. He's a pastor. He's leading y'all in the truth, the truth of God. He's teaching y'all about Jesus Christ and how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now the world may hate you, but guess what? You're overcomers, and that's what he preaches. So that's what we have to understand. He preaches that we are overcomers and we are not overcome because we live in the victory that Christ has secured for us. Now think about that. Because, I mean, we're facing times, I can think about when I was growing up in this town, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, they moved away in, in the 2000s. But I can remember growing up in the 60s and the 70s. I mean, I, I remember this building here. How many of you remember the little toy store that was upstairs? You used to come to Louder Hardware, and you could go. I think it was over in that corner. You could go upstairs, and it had this little toy store up there. I remember one toy that I bought there. It was a, a Nerf basketball goal that you hung over the door of your bedroom, and you could, you know, slam dunk and throw shots all through the room. It had a little spongy ball. You couldn't break anything. But... It was a different time when I was growing up in this town than it is now. I mean, I've, I've seen, you know, you have to be careful. You know, even where I work now, they say, don't talk about Jesus Christ where you work now. 
because that might offend somebody. And you know what? I don't just go around at work talking about, you know, saying going up and, and trying to push my faith or Jesus Christ on anybody, but I have a lot of people that come to me. And when they come to me and they ask me something, I feel like they want to hear what I've got to say. I said, do you want to hear what, 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 what God's got to say about this? Because that's what I always do. So people ask me sometimes, what do you think? I said, well, it really doesn't matter what I think. Let me tell you what the Word says. Because when I bring you back to the Word, you can always count on it. It's the truth. It's the same today as it was yesterday and it will be tomorrow. It does, does not change. So I'm always tell, pointing people to the truth because I want them to hear the truth because I know that's what will set them free. So, but like I say, you have to be careful during this day what you say because you can, you know, people could, you can get in trouble for just speaking the truth. But we are overcomers. We have the victory that Christ has secured for us. So, that's kind of what I'm speaking on today, and I, it was kind of funny because Paul talked about the, the play we did at church because I was praying when, when Kyle asked me if, if, I would, if uh, I'd be willing to come and speak. I said, yeah, because when the doors open, God's done so much for me in my life. When the doors open and I get a chance to, to talk about what he's done in me and what he can do for you, I get excited because I want people to understand the freedom that they have when they live a, a totally surrendered life to Jesus Christ. It is amazing the freedom that comes and the peace that you'll have because he wants us to have peace. He's, when, on one hand, he says, you're going to have trouble because guess what? He knows you're going to have trouble. If you're alive in this world, you're going to have trouble until you die. You're going to fight sin until you die. But he also says we're overcomers because he has overcome the world. So when I was thinking about what I was going to speak about here, the, the play came to mind. I was thinking about Paul. And he, let me tell you why he was Peter and I was Jesus. I'm going to tell you the real truth why he was Peter and I was Jesus. No, no I could grow, I, can, I still can, it's, but now it's, it's gray. So I, don't, I try not to let my beard get too far out now because it's gray. But I could grow a crazy beard. Like uh, Thomas here on the front stage. I could grow one like Thomas's guy, and it kind of looked like his because it didn't have gray. But that's why I played Jesus. Do you know how many words I said in the play? Zero. I said no words, nothing. Now, Paul, he had like thousands of words that he had to say. He had to learn all these lines. And all I did was kind of walk around with this beard. I did pick up some kids. And, but really, and I carried the cross. They did beat me. I had a lot of bruises at the end of five nights of doing that show. But, but that was why I got to be in the play. I could grow a beard like Thomas has got. That was it. And I could pick a kid up, but Paul had all the words. And I was thinking about that when I was talking about, when I was, I was praying, I said, God, what do you want me to speak on? What do, what do you want me to talk about? And that came back to mind. It was about me and Paul being in the play and the memories that, that, that it brought back. And so it was like, okay, Peter. And so I started praying. I said, God, what do you want me, what do you want me to bring to the church today here in Albemarle? So today I'm going to be speaking about Peter. His call to Christ, a little bit about his life when he was living for Christ as a disciple, his fall from Christ when he denied Jesus, and then his restoration when Jesus brought him back. Because I think if we all sit today and just really think about who Christ is to us, 
we can see ourselves in Peter so much, so much. And so today, so today as we start this journey with Peter being called, let's talk about who God created us to be. Now think about I want to go back to who, who did God create all of us to be? We were, all, we were all created as God's children in his image, right? But when sin entered the world into, in the Garden of Eden, so we're going all the way back. So when sin entered the Garden of Eden, and we know Adam and Eve sinned, and we can sit here and be mad at them all day today, but guess what? We would have done the same thing. We would have, we've done the same things, and we would have done the same thing. And sin entered the world, and a really, really bad consequence happened when that happened. We were separated from God. I mean, I think about that when you read about when God came down, and he, and he was calling for Adam, and he was hiding. And I was thinking about when, before sin entered the world, God used to come down, and he would walk with Adam. Can you imagine that? He was just walking with him. He was probably talking about all the things in the garden and all the animals and the different things because, you know, Adam named all the animals. I mean, Adam had a cool job. He was really, really had a cool job. And he's like walking with God, but then when sinner entered the world, he comes down and he's hiding. And God asked him, why are you hiding? He said, because I'm naked. And God said, how do you know you're naked? Think about that. Before sin entered the world, he didn't even know he was naked. But now he did. So they're covering up. And people are still doing that today. When we sin, we're trying to cover it up. And when God comes to us, and he's calling for us, and we've sinned, and we've got, we think we've sewed all our leaves together, and got, nobody can see these sins, I'm going out, and nobody knows what's going on in my life. But God does. And then see, he's going to call to you because you're his. And when he calls you and you're hiding because of your sin that's, that, you've, that, you're, you know, that you've messed up, that's not a good place to be. And God wants, to be, wants us to be in right standing with him. So, so this, is what, you know, this is what happened. I mean, they sinned. We're, they were separated from God. But God said, I'm not going to leave you that way. So now we'll bring it back to the New Testament. John 3, verse 16. Everybody knows this verse, I know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God has made a way. We were separated from him. And God said, I'm not going to leave my people separated from him. I'm going to. Jesus is coming. That he gave, God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So now, so God's made a way. I'll read you a, a quote by an author that I've read. and, and see, he's, not, he's not a godly man. But anyway, you all know who he is. And he got this quote. He was real close when he gave this quote. He was close, but he wasn't a believer, so he really couldn't bring it back to that. But Mark Twain said, The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. So let me read that again. This is Mark Twain. 
The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And you see, he almost had it right, but Mark Twain was not a believer. But as Christians, we know that we found our why, we found out why we were born when we became believers and were set free to be who we were created to be. You see, you truly can't be who God created you to be until you accept Jesus Christ and ask Him to come into your life. That's when you can be who you were created to be because now you've been put back in right standing. Now you have fellowship with God, and He comes and lives inside of you. He puts His Spirit inside of you, and now you have God living inside of you. And He's speaking to you. So, as you become believers, now we found out why. Why we were put here. To honor God, to worship Him, to tell others about Him. That's why we're here. But we all know we're not perfect. You don't become a Christian and say, okay, I got it. I'm done. I'll never mess up again. That's not true. Not true at all. We all miss turns in life sometimes. We're on this path, and we come, and we take a wrong turn. And that's just, that's just what's going to happen. I mean, none of us are perfect. And before you know it, we end up way away from where we're supposed to be. Me and Michelle, we, we travel a lot and go different places, and, and uh, we've got a GPS in the car. And it's funny how, how you know, when we used to travel before GPSs and smartphones and anything else, we had an atlas, and you would kind of like plot your, uh, I think about Charles back here, his dad used to be over the parks and rec, and we used to have challenge programs and Boy Scouts, and, you know, Chuck Moorhead was over to Scouts, and, you know, they even have a park named after him, but, but they would send you out in the woods, and you'd have to find your way back, you know. We, me and Michelle went into a corn maze the other week, and I got, so I was just, we were in there for like, I said, okay, I've had enough. I'm going to start cutting through rows. I'm just, I see some red tape over there, and I'm just like, okay, we're going from the blue tape to the red tape, because red tape gets us out. I'm tired of this, okay? I'm just ready to get out, but so, but, you know, used to, before we had GPSs, we just had to find our way through, and, and just had to, you know, and, and my philosophy growing up, my dad always taught me, listen, a man's never lost when he's driving until he runs out of gas. Because, you know, people, would, <laughs> I'm not saying just the females in the room, but they would always say, pull over and ask directions. I said, no, no, I don't ask for directions. I know where I'm going. I know how to get there. But thank God for GPSs because now, you know, I don't have to think I know where I'm going. It kind of, tell, it kind of knows where I'm supposed to go. But I still get irritated with it when you go and you're driving with a GPS and it says, make a U-turn as soon as possible. You know, make a U-turn. And it's like if you go too much further before you make a U-turn, it'll start saying, recalculating, recalculating. And I'm like, Wow, that's, just be quiet. Shut it off. I know where I'm going. But, but, but so a lot of times you, you, you probably need to make that U-turn when the GPS says it and when it's recalculating. You need to kind of find your way back to where you're supposed to be going by the GPS. But anyway, that's how sometimes it happens in our life. We make a wrong turn. We end up going the wrong way, and we get way off course. So, and the, and the same thing happens to us when we commit sin in our life. 
we can think we're doing the right thing and make a wrong turn or make a wrong decision, and we end up way away from who we were created to be, way away from what God's plan was for us to be. You know, I had a pastor in Virginia, and, and he told me one time when, when, you know, we were talking, he said, listen, sometimes in life you make right choices, and sometimes you have to make choices right. And that's hard to admit because sometimes we do make choices that are not good, and we find ourselves way off course. And we have to go back and make those choices right. So that's, that's hard to admit sometimes, especially for a man. We think we've got our plan and we've got where we're going and how we're supposed to get there. And don't tell me what I did was wrong. I don't want to hear that. But we need to be able to take godly counsel. From our wives, we do. And, and from, from our godly people that's around us. That's why God said to assemble together. We're here to, today hearing God's word, because that's what he told us to do. He didn't say, hey, receive me, I'll come into your life, and then just hang out. You know, you don't have to go to church, you don't have to assemble. No, he wants us together, because as iron sharpens iron, see, we, together, we become a body in Christ, and we can go out and fulfill his mission that he has for us. So, the good news is, that he's made a way for us to make U-turns. We don't have to be perfect. And we'll go into that here just a little bit because I'm going to get in and I'm going to talk about Peter. And we're going to talk about Peter's call first. So let's turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. It says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you out to fish for people. So at once they left their nets and they followed him. All right, I've got one more scripture I want you to turn to. It's in John chapter 1, verse 42. And I've got something I want to talk about here as we go through the scripture. It's not a very long scripture. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. He said, You will be called Cephas, which is translated to Peter. All right, let's look at this right here because we, we look where Jesus called him and they left. You know, the, he was a fisherman. They left their boat. Now they're going to, to, to fish for men, they're going to be disciples. And here in John, we look where Jesus looked at him and looked at him. Now, I want you to kind of put that in your mind and remember where I'm going because I'm on, there's another scripture I'm going to read in a little bit where Jesus looked at him again. But this first time when Jesus looked at him, when you study the scripture out, it means it says that he looked at him intently. Because when, I want you to hear this, when Jesus looked at Simon and changed his name, he looked at him intently. You know what he was doing? He was looking at Peter for who he, was, who he was created to be. You see, he looked past all that Peter thought he was and looked at Peter for who he was created to be. 
And he said, listen, I'm going to change your name from Simon. Now, if you, like I say, if you study this out, you think about the name Simon in, in, during that time in, in the biblical times. That was a real popular name, Simon was. He changed it to a name, Cephas, which is translated Peter, that had never been used before. So he takes Peter from being somebody that's like got a normal name to a name that nobody else had. Because he looked at Peter and he said, listen, I see you for who God created you to be. And I'm changing your name. Because I don't want you to see yourself as who you think you are. I want you to see yourself as who I see as you are. So, so think about this. He had changed his name. Here Simon was. He was standing, he said, I'm not Simon anymore. My name's Peter, and for some reason it just seems right. It's kind of like, it's not really like Bobby and Robert, but it's like, you know, here's Simon that he had known all his life. People had called him Simon, and now, for some strange reason, Peter sounded like, this is who I'm supposed to be. And it was who he was supposed to be because God had changed his name to Peter. So, the same goes for us. We've all been set, we all have been changed by Jesus and are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. You know, I think about um, Paul when he was singing this last verses of a song today he don't see us as who we were we're somebody new and when we get to heaven he's not going to come up and say look at all this bad stuff you've done because he's he you've been forgiven it's under the blood and now it's like i say therefore if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old has gone how thankful are we that the old is gone you can, like, hit the delete button. It's gone. Don't be drudging all that stuff back up and say, oh, yeah, but I did this the other week. No, it's gone. When you ask for forgiveness, it's gone. Leave it behind. Just hit the delete button. Empty the trash. It's gone. It's not, you can't get it back. You ever deleted something and tried to get it back? You say, I can't get it back. What am I going to do? But it's gone. So let it be gone. Let it be gone. So here's Peter. He had given up. Being a fisherman, everything that he had been taught to do to follow Christ and become his disciple. And what a journey he went on, right? So, we're, you know, can you imagine these 12 guys following Jesus around? And they're just like, what's he going to do today? You know, what are we going to encounter today? You know, and, and Peter, you know, was like, he was like one of the ringleaders, right? He was in the inner circle. So he was like one of the three that were real close to Jesus. He was probably with him most of the time, you know, right up at him. You know, it's like, okay, what you want me to do today? How can I help you get done what you're supposed to do today? I can, I can see Peter, he was probably gung-ho. And just think about all the things that he got to see. All the people that were healed. All the people that were, you know, brought back from the dead. You know, it just and just, have you ever been with somebody that was just in control. You knew they were in control when you were with them, and you felt like everything's going to be okay because we're with him. 
And that's how, that's how they were with Jesus. They were walking with him. They just, they felt good. Was, you, know, this, you know, they didn't really understand why he had came because they thought he was just going to overthrow the Romans, throw them all out, and we're going to take over Jerusalem, man. We're going to have this killer pad, and we're going to have the top rooms, and we'll have the best views, and we're going to be like people will be coming to us before they go to him. They didn't understand, but yet they, they knew they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, following him around. But just think about it. He walked on the water. How many other people in the Bible do we know walked on the water? None. Just Jesus and Peter. None of the other disciples got out of the boat and walked. He was doing great until he started looking around going, how am I doing this? You know, <laughs> that's when he sunk. That's not good. So he took his eyes off of Jesus. That's not good. And we'll come back to that. That's the first time he took his eyes off of Jesus. But now we'll go into that here in just a little bit more. But there was a lot of things that Peter got to see and do. And he got to see Jesus do all of his miracles. He got to see, think about him, seeing Jesus transfigured. And he was like with, with Elijah and Moses. And they're on the mountain, you know, transfiguration. And here they are. They're there. And Peter's like, hey, this is cool, man. Let's make some tents. And y'all just stay here and hang out. We'll just, this will be good. Y'all just don't go anywhere because this really feels good. And Jesus was like, no, you don't understand. That's, no. See, you're supposed to see the glory that I've got, but it's, it's, it's not my time. This is not, you, you'll understand in just a few days, Peter, what's really going to be happening. But, so Peter was gun-ho. I mean, he, he, like I say, he was a, he was following Christ. He was seeing all the miracles, seeing all the things taking place, became part of the inner circle, and he became really proud of himself to the point to where when Christ tried to tell him the truth, he tried to rebuke Christ and say, no, that's not going to happen. He said, get behind me, Satan. You know, you're trying to stop what God's really wanting to do here. So Peter was doing good, and like I say, Peter was gung-ho, but then he got his eyes off of, off of Christ, and he, the pride kind of came up in him. And he thought, you know, I'll never, you know, when, when Jesus was, had him in the upper room and he said, you're going to deny me three times, and Peter was like, no way. No way would I ever deny you. But let's go in to what happened in Luke 22, 54 through 55. It said, then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, he had sat down together. Peter sat down with them. Now what I want you to see in this scripture is the first part of that where it said, Peter followed at a distance. Don't find yourself following at a distance when you're following Christ. Stay close to him. You know, it's like he said, you know, I heard Greg Laurie say this one time. He said, you know, there's times where you think, I'm just going to chill out. I'm tired of swimming upstream. I'm just going to just take a break and just float. And it's like he said, you know, Dead fish can float, but they're going downstream. They're going away from where they need to be. 
We're always supposed to be swimming upstream. You can't take, don't, you're not dead. You're alive. You're a new creation. Don't say, hey, I'm just going to chill out. There's not chill out days. We have peace. We have rest. But we're always supposed to be following Christ close. Keep a close relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't, let, don't follow at a distance. Because here we see Peter following at a distance. And here's, he's standing beside a fire. And we know at this fire what he did. He ended up denying Christ three times. So let's look at Luke 22, verses 61 through 62. So here Peter had denied Christ three times. And it said, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. This is kind of hard for me. You remember the first time he looked at Peter when he was Simon? And he looked deep inside of Peter. And he said, listen, I'm changing your name because I see who God created you to be. And this is who you're supposed to be. I'm changing your name. And here in Luke 22, verses 61 through 62, it said the Lord turned and looked at Peter. He looked at him intently. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him, before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So just like in John chapter 1, verses 42, Jesus intently looked at Peter. But this is what I feel like Jesus was seeing when he looked at Peter here in Luke, when he looked at him intently again. What you have done is not who you are. You see, Christ always looks at us at who we were created to be. He always looks at us as who we were created to be. And that just it spoke volumes to me as I was putting this message together. What you have done is not who you are. So let's go to John chapter 21, verse 9. As I was putting this message together, I, said, I had the two that Jesus looked at Peter twice like that. And let's talk about... In John chapter 21, verses 9, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So here's Jesus. The disciples have been fishing out there all night. They hadn't caught anything, right? So here's Jesus. He's on the shore. He's got breakfast for them when they're coming back in. Okay? He's He's having breakfast at the beach. Come on in. But think about this. There's a fire burning. Just like the fire that was burning when Peter denied Christ three times. You think about Peter when he came up on that shore. Because you remember what Peter did? He didn't wait till the boat got to the shore. He jumped out. He jumped out of the boat and swam to the shore. And the fire's burning. And here's Jesus. You think it brought back memories? 
the smell of that fire. He's looking at Jesus Christ. He's going, I was at a fire when I denied him. It kind of just brought him back. Just brought him back to where he, he was probably remembering what he had done. You ever, you ever committed a sin and then you end back up in a place and it reminds you of that sin and you're like, I've got to get out of here. This kind of reminds me of when I was not following God and doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing. You know, and that's kind of, you know, when he, when he probably smelled that fire, it probably brought him back there for a minute to where he had denied Christ. But see here, Jesus brought Peter back to a fire, just like in Luke twenty two fifty five. 55. And he, but then he asked Peter, he asked him three times, do you love me? You see, Peter had denied Christ three times, and Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? He didn't ask Peter, are you sorry for what you did? Have you learned your lesson, Peter? Because you really messed up. Have you learned your lesson? Or do you think you'll ever do this again? That's not what he asked Peter. You see, because he asked Peter if he loved him because he was more concerned with Peter's heart and having it than with just having behavior modifications. You see, when God, when you, get, when you ask forgiveness from God, he doesn't come and say, have you learned your lesson? Are you ever going to do this again? No, he wants you to receive the forgiveness that he has so you can then get back on the road that you're supposed to be on, head to where you're supposed to go, and be who God created you to be. You see, because when Jesus was looking at Peter, at the fire when he denied him, at the fire when he restored him, he was looking at Peter for who he was created to be. He wasn't trying to say, hey, Peter, you messed up. You can't ever get back to where you're supposed to be. Too bad. It's over. No. What did he offer him? See, Jesus gave Peter a chance to make a U-turn and return to who he was created to be. What do we know that as? Grace. Grace. You see, grace is what Jesus offered to Peter, and it's, and it's the same grace that he offers to us today. No matter how far we've gotten off course, no matter what we've done, we're always just one prayer away from being right back on the right road and going to where he wants us to be. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So where are we? We're always, when you mess up, where are you? One prayer away. One prayer away. Now what the devil wants to do is he wants to bring condemnation into your life. He don't want you to be back in right standing because he's going to know. He, you know what he knows? When you get back in right standing, you're going to be doing God's work because you're going to be who you were created to be. He can't stand that. He's jealous of it. It's something he can't ever have again. I mean, we're thinking about Satan. He was the worshiping angel, but he got cast out to never be brought back again. He can never be in right standing again, but we can.
Don't find yourself involved in a sin or any kind of situation where you're away from God, following him at a distance, I'm just going to take a break, whatever. No, just remember that we are one prayer away from being back to where God had wanted us to be. So just like Peter brought, I mean, Jesus brought Peter back to a fire and forgave him. And he told him to move forward. I noticed Paul even said last week he was talking about movement, God's movement. See, God doesn't want you to stand still. He wants you to move. And we're all part of a movement. If you think about, okay, I'm part of a movement, and then they never go anywhere. If you're part of a movement, you're moving. You're doing something. And that's what's, you know, that's what's important to remember. We're moving forward and taking God's message of grace hope and forgiveness to people that are lost and dying out here. You know, how many of you, just, I, I got captivated at work watching uh, the news when they had this earthquake down in Mexico. And they were like, all the teams from Israel and Japan and all over the world came, brought these rescue teams in. And they were trying to get down in all this rubble and pull this. They were trying to find survivors. They were sending, they had these dogs that could tell if there were people still alive down in there. But anyway, like I said, I was just captivated by it. And you would see, everybody would be standing out watching. And you would see these teams go in there. And if they found somebody that was alive and they brought them out, it was a celebration. These people were going nuts. Somebody's alive. They brought somebody out of there that they thought would never get out of there. They're alive and everybody's jumping up and cheering. What does it tell us in the Bible when somebody comes to salvation through repentance? There's a celebration in heaven because guess what? They're alive. They're alive. We can't ever take that for granted. When you take the, the salvation message to the people, to people that you work with, to people in your family, to whoever God sends you to and puts in your sphere of influence, the power of the message of Jesus Christ changes lives. It, it changes lives. It, it did for, for Peter. It still does today for us. And it will after we're gone. Because this Bible always, always is moving forward. It's alive and it's moving. I can remember uh, Steve Gant. I still use this because I lead the men's group at our church. He used to tell us when we were... Steve Gant was intimidating, wasn't he, Paul? He was, like, just a little intimidating. He, he loved me. He used to pick me up and grab hold of me and wouldn't let me down. My feet would be dangling off the ground. I'd be like, put me down, Steve. Put me down. He was just, he was just that kind of guy. But anyway, he used to tell me, he used to tell us in the, in the men's group, he said, God's kingdom is moving forward. You can either get in line with it or get run over by it because it is moving forward. And it is, it's not stopping for anybody. But here we have Peter. He brought Peter back to a fire. He forgave him and told him to move forward and feed his sheep. Maybe today you find yourself at a place where you need to go back to the fire and receive forgiveness for something and then move forward in his love and grace. See, we can't earn God's grace. 
You can't earn his grace. It's free. Grace isn't achieved. It's received. So remember that. Because when you find yourself trying to work for grace, you can't. It's a free gift. Remember, it's not achieved. It's received. I have a... um, as the men's group leader, I know you'll think this is funny, but I listened to, um, how many of you know Lisa Turkhurst? Proverbs 31? She's, she's got a quote that she says, Grace is not based on you, it's placed on you. Can't earn salvation. It's a free gift. So, But when you receive this free gift and you decide to make a U-turn and surrender your life and your will to Christ, the freedom that you're going to have, when you truly understand why you were put on this earth, everybody's always searching for what is my goal, what am I I put here for, what am I supposed to do? I have young people come and ask me. I've almost been at 30 years at my job. I'm a welder and a machinist. And I have young people come and ask me, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do or what I'm supposed to work. I said, when you figure it out, you tell me because I ain't quite figured out where I'm supposed to work yet. But I'll tell you one thing. When I stand up here in front of people and I tell them about the freedom and the forgiveness and the grace that they can receive because of what Jesus Christ wants to do, I do have this warm feeling that comes over me that I know that I'm telling people a truth that will always be true and you can always count on it. I think a lot of times we will fail because of we think it's not because of who we are because if we truly knew who we are and why we're here, we would know what we're supposed to be doing. Just like in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Think about it. We're filled with His Spirit. And we're more than overcomers. Don't fall into the trap that the enemy tells you. That you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not skinny enough. You know, that list could go on and on and on. It could go on and on and on. But today, I want to tell you. You're a child of the King. You've been bought with a price, and you are an overcomer because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross, and now you're a new creation. So my message to you today is live it. Live it. So I'm going to see if Pastor Paul wants to open up the altars. If anybody needs to come, however y'all normally end the service, (laughs) we can go there. Because, I, you know, me and Michelle had a chance to go to Israel about three years ago. And we were, I'm going to tell this one story, Paul, and then I'm going to have you come up. Um, the pastor had given a message at the, the Mount of Olives. And he said, okay, now we're going to come down the same hill that, that Christ walked down. And, you know, this hill was steep. I never forget, they said, okay, move to the side of cars coming because these cars would have to get up speed to come up this. I mean, this hill is like this. I've never seen a hill in the United States like this. I mean, it was really like this. Tires squealing, the cars coming up. But I remember when he said, look, stand here and look out. He said, because this is where it was in Luke, that Jesus looked out over the city and it said that he wept because of their unbelief.
But I stood there, and as I meditated on what the pastor was talking about, and I looked at where Christ was actually standing and looked out over Jerusalem, and, you know, Jerusalem's a, the walled city, and you can see it from this hill. And to think that Jesus wept. Because you know what he saw? He saw all the pain and all the suffering that people would be going through. He knew that he was fixing to go and die a death. That he asked God, you know, could you, could there, is there any other way we could do this? Because he knew that it was going to be hard. But I think he, he wept because he knew people were not going to receive the message that he brought. And that's not a good place to find yourself. And so today, as, as Paul comes up, I would just say, listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, Today's your day to make a U-turn. If you know Jesus Christ and you found yourself in a place where you're not living a life of freedom and you're not completely surrendered, you found yourself following at a distance and at a fire where you shouldn't have been, Jesus is calling you back to a fire today. And this is what he's saying. I don't condemn you. I love you. I just want you to be free. I want you to be who you were created to be. That's the opportunity we have today. Just like in John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus wants you to be back on the right road today, going in the right direction, to be at the right place. And then you'll find yourself free. Are you still going to have problems? Yes. Are you still going to have trials? They're coming. There's two people in this world. One coming out of a trial and one getting ready to go into one. It's just part of living here. But we're overcomers because we serve a king that has overcome the world. Amen. Paul, thank you for letting me speak today. Can we close out like this? Um, I love the, the illustration of the GPS. And when you're driving down the road and you know that you've missed a turn and the GPS tells you to make a U-turn, here's what I know that you don't do. But when I really feel it, I'll make a U-turn. You start looking for the quickest way to get turned around so you can get back on course. So can we not do the church thing? Well, if I really feel it, if they play the right song, I'll stand up. I'm, I might make a decision. Can you just make a decision, just a choice right now? Because while Bobby's been talking, you, the Holy Spirit's already been touching your heart. You already know that there's areas in your life that you need to make a U-turn. And I'm going to ask you just to respond like this. It's bold. It's bold. I know. It's a little gutsy. I'm just going to ask you to stand up. If you need to make a U-turn, just stand up. I'm not going to wait on the feeling. It's not about a feeling. We're looking for the quickest route back on the path that God has for us. Anybody else? Thanks. What I love about grace is this. These aren't bad people standing. These are people standing, right? These are disciples of Christ that are standing. Grace, man, grace. If you're near somebody that's standing, would you stand with them? Put your hand on their shoulder. And let's just pray right now. 
we fall for that emotion. And emotions aren't bad, but we just fall for that trap all the time. Well, if, if, it, if I get moved, then I'll turn around. Turning around is what moves you. That's what moves you. So, Father, just right now, there's not a better way to close this service out than for praying for our friends who this morning you have, by your Holy Spirit, man, that's an amazing message, full of your word, full of truth, full of grace. You're not, you're not asking us if we've learned the lesson. You're not pointing out the mistake. I mean, we already know the mistake. Repentance is you pointing the way back. It's just Jesus saying, like, come on, guys, like right here, this is a good place. This is it. Today, October the 8th. 2017, this is when you make the U-turn. And so, God, I thank you for forgiveness. I'm so thankful for that. But what I thank you for more than that is that right now, through your Holy Spirit, Jesus is looking intently at those who have stood. And he's not looking at them intently to judge them. He sees who you created them to be. Which means addictions that have had power over us, that's not who we are. Frustrations, job situations, relationship struggles, that's not who we are. That just, that just shows that we're breathing. Who we are is your children. And I'm thankful, God, this morning that these have stood and said, look, I'm making a change. I'm making a U-turn. And your, your word is true that your spirit right now who goes throughout the entire world looking for hearts that you can strongly support have just found five, six, seven, eight, ten hearts in this room, and you are strongly supporting their decision today to make the U-turn. And we thank you for it. In your name, Jesus. Somebody say amen. Somebody's got to clap for these people that just stood up and made this U-turn.